Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. If you are children, you can guys can head off to Children's Church, all right? Look, they were waiting, weren't they? Look at you. You got, you're taking more than I got. There you go. That's a change right there, isn't it, right? So they got more going back to Children's Church for all the unlucky ones, all right, that have to stay here and deal with me. Um, how many of you like to talk about yourself? Anybody else like to talk about themselves? Oh, yeah, all the time, okay? Look, a resume, when you submit it for a job, is all about talking about yourself, is it not? You're trying to promote yourself before somebody else to get them to offer you the job that there's lots of people in competition for. And as, a, as many other resumes come in, your job is to make your resume stand out. So many times today in today's society, though, we embellish our resumes. People say things about themselves that aren't true, or they put down things that they haven't done that they, and say that they have done them, all right? Why? Because we're trying to make ourselves sound better than we actually are. We're trying to self-promote ourselves. And for, for folks that, uh, who like to talk about themselves, that's an easy thing to do. In fact, you know, I'm going to just tell you something. I, <clears throat> I've gone to many conferences and, and heard pastors stand up in a conference and give these heart-wrenching stories and tell these great examples of things that have happened, only to find out later that they didn't really happen, you know? They got up there and told these stories before everybody so that people might be motivated to move or, or through emotion move, and then the reality of it is it's not even true. So we have to be truthful to ourselves, and I want you to understand something. Our spiritual resume, which is what we talked about last week and what we're talking about today. Now, look, we're in the middle of this passage, and just to go back for a second and review, if you start in 2 Corinthians, all right, uh, in chapter 12, a little bit earlier in the verses, we were talking about what? We were talking about our um, attitudes and our experiences Paul was talking about, and he was also talking about references, how other people... Uh, um, the things that we have are references that we put down is other pe what other people see in us. So he's been talking about that. And so this is the second part of this. So when we're talking about our spiritual resume, it's something that's completely different from a physical resume that we might submit out in the world today. Because I want you to see when we look at these passages and look at these verses, God sees things from a totally different perspective than what we see them. And the thing that has gotten me, or the thing that I have seen as a, a leader having to interview people for positions within the church, there are aspects about people that people uh, weren't even trying to project that stuck out to me when I was doing the interview. There are parts, sincerity, heart of a minister, or, or seeing something from someone about their personality. Um, those are the things that left the marks on me that, to give someone else a job. Or I think that those in some cases were the things that got me a job rather than <laughs> my vibrant personality or the things that I had done before in my past. Vibrant personality, that was a joke. Y'all didn't even get that one. It just kind of slid right through right there. No laughter, no nothing, right? So, or the things that I had done before because that didn't have meaning to that person. Look, when, when you're trying to hire somebody in a, in a business situation, you're looking for somebody person to person, aren't you? You're looking for how other people are going to interact with that person. God is looking at some of the same things, but he's looking at those things in a different way. So let's start in verse 7, okay? 
Let's go ahead and read. So Paul's telling us about, about himself, and he says this. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation for this reason, let me stop right there for a second. Remember, he's already told us last week he got called up into what he called the third heaven. In other words, he went and saw things that he wasn't even able to, in these this words on this side, uh, be able to, to share with people. Now, in Revelation, remember, John sees visions. Paul says that he was called up into the third heaven. He saw something that nobody else has ever seen and came back. And he's telling us about it, but he can't tell us about it. And so when he says this right here, he's referring to those revelations. He says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to, to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me and keep me from exalting myself. So the first thing I want you to see about a spiritual resume is that there's adversity over accomplishments. And on our resume, we want to talk about the things that we've done and accomplished. Who wants to talk about the things that you've gone through? You don't go up and put on your resume when you go in for a job and say, I've survived cancer three times. Or I've dealt with loss in my family. Or I've dealt with uh, infirmities in my own loss, I mean, in my own life, whether that be physical or emotional, whatever they are. We don't put those down on a resume, do we? Why would we put those down on a resume that we give to somebody else? That just shows what? That just shows our flaws, doesn't it? So we don't want to do any of that kind of stuff, but God uses those things. So here's Paul. Paul has seen something and been and experienced something that no one else has ever done before. And when he comes back, instead of being allowed to go and to exalt himself because he's been there and done that and you ain't going and seeing it, he's what? He's given a thorn in the flesh. He's given something that brings him back to reality. He's been, giving, he's been given something that's causing him adversity. And so it's that adversity that he has to work through. So our spiritual resume is built by us overcoming things. Do you get that? Scripture says that we're overcomers in this world. Now, if we went around this room today, I bet you I could stop right here. And before we got through, if I gave everybody the opportunity, people in this room have overcome stuff. And you can start listing all the things that you have overcome. In fact, maybe that's something that you want to do over on the side right there. List some of the things that you've been through and overcome through Christ Jesus that you couldn't deal with on your own. Hey, I'm a 20, at 27 years of age, I lost my dad. I lost my dad in an instant because he fell in an accident. All right, so at 27 years of age, I've got one child and a wife. We're getting ready to, the, son, the weekend before, we had gone to put a contract on a house. So the Saturday before my dad lost his life, we had entered into a contract to, to go get a house. Okay, my dad falls the next week. I'm an only child. And so we're like, my mom and dad were renting at the time. My dad had lost his business. So as we're going through all this stuff, the next thing you know, I'm like, well, I got to honor my mother and father. I've got to, we need to take care of my mom. My mom can't move into this house that we're about to move in. So we decided to dissolve the contract. We decided to dissolve the contract. They, the guy comes back and says, no, you're not dissolving it. I'm going to sue you to make you buy the house. So next thing you know, and within a week or two after my dad had passed away, I've got to deal with my mom. And the next thing on top of that, somebody's threatening to sue me to make, them buy, make me buy a house that I can no longer use because I need to have extra space. 
This is adversity. This is stuff that is built up. And there's no way that we walk through this stuff by ourselves. There's no way I get through all of that. God worked every single bit of that out over time. Every single bit of it. And he's the only way that we made that through that. So I don't go put that down on a job resume. That's a spiritual resume. As God is working in our lives, he uses adversity to mold and to shape us. If it was all easy peasy, everybody would do it. Why do you think more people don't flood into the churches? The church says that you have to what? Sacrifice and suffer for Jesus Christ. Sign me up. That's what everybody wants to be a part of, right? No, everybody wants to be a part of success. Everybody wants to be a part of being a front runner. Everybody wants to be a Georgia fan, right? Amen? I'm sorry. <laughs> All the Florida fans. <laughs> what? Yeah, they, yeah, some of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Y'all get on Vic next week, right? He didn't even want to be here, did he? <laughs> come and not even hang out on this Sunday. But listen, just can't do it. Just can't deal with it. But look, everybody wants to be a part of a winner. Nobody wants to be a part of a loser. And so when we go through adversity and we don't get the things that we want, it looks like, looks like we're failing. And I, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that over the course of my life, I was much more optimistic in my 20s and 30s than I am in my 50s. And the reason being is because I've been beaten on. And this past week, I got a chance to go to a conference and go for a couple of days. It was something about um, something I think I told you guys on Wednesday night I really wasn't even looking forward to being a part of. But the reality is, is it showed me some things that I need. Because, see, I was going about what I could all give. You know, it was going to be something else that somebody wanted me to do. But the truth of the matter is, when I got there, I found it out that I need something. And so I'm being proactive now to try to fill the void that I found in myself because I went there and I took part in it. But part of that was that I'd gone through adversity over the past few years and I had been beaten down to a point where I just didn't have confidence in me or Christ in some cases. And that stinks. I'm a pastor. And so I, I was beginning to doubt whether the Lord wanted to do and use me in, in the ways that I thought I should be used. See, it happens to every single one of us. We start looking at things in the flesh. We start looking at things the way that the world sees it and how they define success and how they define accomplishment. And then we see what's happened in our life and we think that we are failing. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are being built we are being built up in Christ Jesus. And adversity is part of that. Even Paul, for as great as he is known throughout the kingdom of God because of what he had to go through, who wants to sign up for that? Would you like for us to go outside and throw rocks at you? How about taking some boat rides and on three different occasions you'd be shipwrecked? How about being cold and hungry? How about being left for dead? All of those things. But yet, he is the one who, through his experiences and through his adversity, that was able to write to us half of, about half of the New Testament. 
And so we don't see things the way that God sees things. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says this, In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider, God has made the one as well as the father, uh, at one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. We know what we know what we know when we need to know it. Do you get that? That's part of the growth process for us. If God would have said to me in 1997 when we were getting ready to be called in the ministry and we stepped forward to be called in the ministry, he said, in 21 years, I'm going to just show you a picture of what you're going to go through. I would have said, no, thank you. I think I'll pass. I don't want none of that. But God took us through it step by step by step by step by step. Have you ever thought about that? We always think that we want to know what's coming at us, but we really don't want to know. We need to take each day, the moment by moment by moment of the day. Why? Because that's what we can handle. So that's what God gives to us. And Scripture says that sometimes that's going to be hard and difficult. Sometimes it's going to be easy. He said, be happy in the day of prosperity. Be glad when it happened. Al and Susie are going to Hawaii. We got to go to Hawaii once. Those were great times. I got pictures of that week. It was an awesome week. I don't live that all the time at all. The other 51 were difficult. But that one week, man, that was awesome. But we all want to all live on vacation, don't we? Yeah, we do. We all want to live on vacation. All right, let's continue reading in verses 8 and 9. Concerning this, I implore the Lord three times that, he might, that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, also, uh, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. The second thing I want you to see is that not only adversity over accomplishments on our spiritual resume, it's challenges over the conquests. With challenges come opportunities. And it's how we handle those opportunities that define our life. We're going to look back and see that. We're going to think about all the good times. How, how many of you have selective memories? Do you have selective memories? Y'all have selective memories? What comes up in your selective memories? The selective memories is all the good stuff, isn't it? We all have selective memories. Oh, those were great times. And then you go and share some with that with somebody who was walking through it with you. All right, going through the same thing at the same time. And maybe the way they saw it is completely different from the way that you saw it, right? Because it is, it is crazy, crazy times for them. Or, or the real picture is, is that you saw the one bright spot out of the mess that was going on. There were challenges that were being put before you. Later on, when you got done and you look back at it, you look at it as a conquest, okay? Let me tell you one time. So we go on this vacation. It's an impromptu vacation for us. And so we pick up my mom, and we get ready to, to head out with all three of our young children, and we're going to Gatlinburg. We're actually going to Pigeon Forge, and we're going to stay in this cabin. I'd set this thing all up, but on the travel day, we were going to stay on this one spot on the way that was there. Have any of y'all ever ridden the train in Bry to Bryson City and all that stuff that's on the way up there? We were going to get on the train because Clay love trains and it was going to be this awesome thing so we decided to in Winder which was on the way stop at Golden Corral on the way up and I ate some coleslaw 
Yeah, y'all know where this is going, don't you? Oh, my Lord. We got to, by the time we got to this place, now look, this place was, never do this, okay? Never do this. It didn't have pictures on the internet, all right? This is when I was first starting to use the internet. This may have been the first time I booked a trip on the internet. They used, they used drawings of the place, and it looked so quaint, and all this stuff. I was like, tomorrow we're going to stay at this cool place. It was a shack, man. It was a shack beside the river. It was a shack beside the river. So we're pulling down to the river and everything. We're staying next to this river. It's, it don't even have a door. It's a sliding glass thing. You know what I'm saying? And we're like, how are you going to protect this? I can't keep my leg up there because i got to get to the bathroom. You know? And I'm like, I am stomach sick, and we're staying in this hole. But if you come in our house, the next morning when we got up, there's a picture of us by the river with the water flowing. Clay slept on the train ride. We put him on the train ride because he loves trains. And what did he do? 15 minutes into it, he was asleep and asleep the whole time. Paid all that money. He don't even remember none of it. None of it. So I'm thinking, this is going the whole weekend, the whole long weekend, I'm sick. I decided that I was okay after two days and decided to eat again and bad choice. There are more pictures in our house of that weekend than any other time on any other trip that we ever went on. Mm-hmm. Because everybody else had a great time. It was the coolest cabin we ever stayed in when we got there and all this stuff. And I was sick as a dog. You see what I'm saying? There are pictures of this everywhere in our house. And I'm going, all I remember is don't eat coleslaw at the Golden Corral. Because it may not be cold. Everybody else, those pictures are all over. I love that. Look at that little outfit. No, the kids look great. They were all sitting on a swing together, and they actually loved each other at the time. It was amazing. Are you, are you following? There's a lot of challenges for that. But there was great opportunity. And it became something that we all look back on now, except me. And think, hey, this was a great, great. My mom even enjoyed the trip. Woohoo, you know? It was an all win, all the way across the board. So it was a great, great time, but it had great, great difficulty and great sacrifice that was involved in it. And right from the start, I thought, this is going to go bad, totally bad. But God saw it some other way and everybody else that was around it saw it some other way God takes our times like this the things that we see are challenges those are the most opportunities Paul says right here I prayed three times to have this leave me I did not want this adversity I did not want what this was a lot of people say that it was his eyesight but we already knew about the road to Damascus stuff other people say it was stomach issues that he had other stuff other some kind of a physical infirmment that he had that was from that time forward, and he had to deal with it for the rest of his life. He prayed to the Lord three times. He implored the Lord, it says, take this away from me. But what did the Lord say? My grace shall be sufficient for you through this. I'm going to use this for your betterment and God's glory. This is going to point other people back to me, and you're going to be able to get through it, not because of yourself, but because of me. I'm going to sustain you through this. 
it's not going to take you out. You will go when I say it's time for you to go. And not until then. All the things that I have for you that are my plans, I will see them fulfilled. Remember on the road to Damascus, he has this experience. He comes and the Lord presents himself to a man named Ananias and says, you need to go talk to him. He said, I don't want to go talk to him. He kills Christians. And what was the Lord's response back to Ananias? You need to do what I tell you to do. I got a plan for him. And he does not understand the sacrifices that he will have to make for me. See, we want to do what we want to do. We want to write it down. We want to list it as accomplishments. We want to list it as things that we've conquered and overcome. But the reality of that is, is that there was adversity in that and that there's challenges through that. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Tamar says this to me all the time. I say, we're in the middle of something and I'm persevering through this. And she says this to me. She says, you just can't finish it. You just can't get through it. Because that's what I say all the time. I say, we got to get through it. I'm just going to get through it. And she goes, you're not going to just get through it. Perseverance isn't just getting through something. Do you get that? There's a, there's a point to it. What's the point to tribulations? The point to tribulations is to allow you to persevere, not just get through them. And then when, when, you, when you find and you work your way through the perseverance part, what does it prove in you? Character. It becomes a part of who you are, your very inner being. And because you have persevered and because it has built your character, you have what? Scripture, it's easy. Read it right there. What's it, what is it? Four-letter word. Begins with H. Hope. These three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And I want you to understand something. I believe that's orderly. We start with faith. We have to build hope to learn how to love. Do you get that? Look, that's, that's some inspiring stuff right there. Do you want me to say it again so y'all can all write it now? You start with faith. God, through your walk, builds your hope, which teaches you how to love. You just don't go from faith to love. The thing that's in between there, that's smushed in between it, is hope. You got to learn how to love. Even Scripture says that Jesus had to be taught some of the things that he was taught as he matured. Now, and that is, to me, he was all God, but he was human. There was some parts of humanity that he had, to, he, he had to grow through. Everything was not given to Christ all at once. What's the garden? Why did, why did the Lord speak to him in the garden? He didn't know all that. He finally told him, this is where it's going to end. What did he go up on the Mount of Trans- Transfiguration for? To figure out it, what it was next, what needed to finish. Scripture says that after he came off that, he resolutely set his eyes to Jerusalem. He knew at that point it was time. Are you getting this? He met with God regularly, and God told him what he needed to know, when he needed to know it, and what he needed to do to finish it, even though he is God. And in some cases, he said, 
please let this cup pass for me. I don't want to do this. I don't want this to happen. So you see, if the Lord went through those same things, we're going to go through those same things. And for us to think that we're not, that we're going to give our lives to Jesus and be made complete and whole the next day, it doesn't happen. So there's adversity. There's challenges that lie ahead. And the third thing is this. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The last thing on a spiritual resume is weaknesses over strength. I'm going to be honest with you. I've stood up on Sunday mornings and I've walked off and I went, that was awesome. I just, that was a touchdown right there. That was a home run. I just blew that one out of the park and nobody responded. Nobody even said, hey man, I thought you did a great job today. That was wonderful. And I walked away and I went, what were these people listening to? I don't understand. That was amazing. I was talking, and it was amazing. Why? Why is that? Because it was about who? Yeah, that's right, it was about me. It was about my performance that day. But I've gotten up other times, and I've stutter stuttered through things and befuddled the words and couldn't read because I can't see anymore. All the other stuff that has to go through all this, and I walked off, and I was like, that was absolutely horrendous. Only to have five people meet me at the door in the back and go, that was awesome today. You did a great job. And I'm like, what were you listening to? Please take that off the internet. Because it wasn't about my performance. The people that were there saw something or heard something that they needed to hear that day for them. So in my weaknesses, when I walked out and I said, these are all the things of why I do not want to be a speaker in front of other people. God took every single bit of that and he turned it out for his glory. For in his weaknesses, I was strong. In my strength, I was actually weak. Because, you see, I'm looking at the wrong things. I'm looking at the wrong things to see as accomplishments. I'm looking at the wrong things to see as wins. Because there are times I want you to know that I wonder if we're having some kind of effect. We've talked about this before. You know, I've been here for a while. We haven't filled that pool up at all. We haven't reached anybody. But I mentioned this Wednesday night, and I mentioned it to you here on Sunday morning. Last Sunday, of the 65 people or 60 to 65 people that were here, 19 of those folks weren't here 18 months ago. 19, that's a third. A third of all the people that were here last Sunday were not here 18 months ago when we started. It takes some time. And it's in God's time because it's in His hands. So you can look and be frustrated and say, Look, I have nothing to report to the Southern Baptist that says I've done anything because I haven't baptized anybody. That's what they're looking for, right? Has the membership grown? Has the tithes and offerings grown? Have you baptized anybody? That's the only numbers they want. 
And so when I turn those in and I look and I go, oh my gosh, we went an entire year. We didn't meet it. We stink. I'm horrible. It's like a cake. You got to mix it together and put it in. Where's all the work done? In the oven. All the work's done in the oven. You're just mixing all the ingredients together. Like a, the box says, you're just doing what the book says. And you're putting all the ingredients in. And then you got to stick it in the oven. And watch it. And give it the time. And God takes care of that. He took his infirmity. And even though he had all these weaknesses... Paul didn't let any of that stop him. None at all. I mean, think about it. If you'd gone through some of that and got on a boat one time, Ed, you're not getting back on a boat, are you? Why, Ed? All right. Why didn't Paul say that? I'm not getting back on a boat because I've been on a boat that sank. See, we have our fears. We have our doubts. We have the things that the world or our enemy tries to use against us because we don't think we're strong enough. And you know what? We aren't. In our flesh, we are not. But through Christ, we are. And God wants us weak. He wants us vulnerable. Because when we are strong, we don't look at him. Because we got all we need to take care of it at that, right? We can do it in our own power. What do I need him through all this for? First Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of this world and the despised of God, the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. I want to tell you something. In a week or so, you're going to vote. You need to vote. It's a God-given right for us in this country for us to be able to do it. You need to vote. But I'm going to tell you something. If your side does not win, it is not the end of the world. Thank the Lord all the advertisements will stop. But if your side does not win, it is not the end of the world. I've lived through both sides. Being president multiple times as you have and I thought some of them did a good job and I thought some of them did a horrible job but you know what the country's still here I'm still here and we survived it and that's right and Georgia won through all of that so God is good but I want to tell you something when we get ourselves wrapped up in all this kind of stuff thinking that this is the end of the world if these things do not happen that's when our disappointment in what happened translates back to God. 
See, we allow that to project on our image of God. How in the world could the Lord allow this person to lose an election? Doesn't he know? Yeah, he knows everything. He's not worried about the noble things. He's not worried about who we think is smart. He wants to use whoever's willing and able. And in a lot of cases, it ain't the smartest people in the world. It's not the wealthiest or the wisest. It's us. He wants to use us. So look, to close simply with this, bring this back home. Wednesday night, we got a great opportunity. There's adversity. Somebody's got to go buy some candy and clean out the trunk of their car. Right? You're probably sitting there. For some of you, that's what you were going, right? You're going, I can't do this because it'll take me seven hours to clean out the trunk of my car. All right, there you go. Look, I know how some of you are thinking. I've seen the back of my wife's car. You know what? I'm throwing up my tailgate, man. That's right. <laughs> Tomorrow's volunteering for games. We've got opportunities. When you're here Wednesday night, you come to eat food and Bible study and prayer time and all of that. Most of the time, that's in pouring into us. This Wednesday night, it is not about you. There's sacrifice, there's adversity, but there's great opportunity. You may not be the best at that, but you can put a bucket on the back of a tailgate and you can set it there and let kids have it when they come by. And you can be here to serve for those who do. Because I can guarantee you, somebody who doesn't know the Lord is going to walk on this property Wednesday night. In some way, some shape, somehow, God may use you to be a part of that. Do you understand that? Do we see that for what it is? Let's make the most of what we've been given. Don't think about all the stuff that we've got to challenge us between now and then to make that happen. Let's work where God wants us to work. Let's do and be what God wants us to be. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the blessedness of life that you've given us. We thank you for the fact, Father, that everything that happens to us is not always great and grand. Because, Father, we need things to help us to grow. Grow in our faith, grow, grow in our relationship with you, grow in proximity to you. You say if we draw closer to you, you will draw closer to us. Sometimes we just need things to happen to make us move. And, Father, I pray that we are willing to move, that we're a people of God, not a people of this church or ourselves. It's about you. Father, we give you all the praise and honor and glory for everything that you're about to do in our midst. Father, I thank you for the blessed assurance of having you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for the fact that the resume that is being built with my life matters to you. It may not matter to the world. It may not look grand and glorious to the world, but it matters to you. And Father, I pray that you will continue to, to help me build it and help these that are in this place today build theirs. These things we pray now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.